Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name is Panos, and once again, I'll be covering a question that came in from Joe on Instagram. He, I've wrote a list about, uh, and I have a list rather, with all the questions that come through. However, Joe, I apologize. I went through the Instagram DMs and I could not find your message, but I knew that you were asking about resource guarding. And it was a couple of weeks ago now, so sorry for the delay in getting this out to you. Even though I don't know the exact question, I'm going to be briefly talking about what resource guarding is. We're also going to be talking about how to mitigate it and manage it and potentially how can we fix these issues. However, as you're going to hear throughout today's podcast, it's a pretty hard thing to fix directly in and of its own. And usually it's an indirectly, indirectly we will find a way to fix it. So what I mean by that, well, first of all, for people that are listening they may not know what resource guarding is. So to a dog, a resource is something that they value, whether it be food, whether it's a toy, usually bones, or it could also be items like a couch, the bed. And of course, dogs can also resource guard us as owners as well, which kind of sucks. So it's when you approach a certain item that your dog finds very valuable and they want to keep it for themselves. And as you, as a person, Or as another dog approaches that item while the dog has possession over it, they show aggression. So they first start to stand over it. They put their head really down low. Usually they curl their lips, they start to growl, and it can result in a dog biting you and displaying aggressive behavior. And super undesirable, very dangerous, and also very hard to live with, especially when in a lot of cases we let our dogs have resources at their own free will to just do whatever they want. So it's important here that we, now I don't know, as I said, I couldn't find the message and I tried really hard to look for it, but we get lots of messages coming in. So um, Joe, let's dis- let's just say that your dog is resource guarding food, which I'm pretty sure it was over food. We'll go through all the lists, but food is usually the number one thing that dogs resource guard. Now from a puppy, this is where, a lot of the bad advice comes into play and usually creates more resource guarding, even though the attempt of this advice is a, is a stop resource guarding. So a lot of people, now if you're listening to this and you have a puppy, do not do what I'm about to say. People say to make your dog be comfortable with you being around the dog's food, you should take the bowl away and give it back to them and touch their food and touch them while they're eating. That is a recipe for a dog to get really annoyed and potentially start the process of resource guarding. Because, and just imagine it, imagine you were eating and I came next to you and I took your food away, I poked your steak and I touched you and I poked your ears every single time you were eating. Would you not get upset and either see me come in the room and run away, which usually that doesn't happen, especially if you're very hungry. And if you could put yourself in the dog's perspective, would you not then get angry and stand up and shout and potentially punch me in the head if I was going to touch that food because you knew that that was the case? So 
It's important here that you realize if you're going to be messing with your dog's food while they're eating, you're giving them a reason to be upset at you and giving them a reason for for them to bite you. And so a couple of ways that you could leverage that from food, especially from a young puppy, two things that I would suggest, maybe three. Number one is if you're feeding a dog from the bowl, leave the dog alone. You've already given them their food. It's their food to eat. You're not touching their food. You let them eat it. Don't give them a reason to be upset at you. And that involves you not touching their food, not taking the bowl away and giving it back to them, all that sort of stuff, because that doesn't do anything, um, anything positive anyway. Now, a lot of it is a genetic predisposition. So it's usually something that the dog is, is either going to be a resource guarder or not going to be a resource guarder, generally because of their mum, dad, and their ancestors before that. If mum and dad and grandparents were resource guarding dogs, then it's likely that the dog that you have may display that behavior. So now not to mention you shouldn't be able to touch your dog's food and take it away from them, especially if they found a foreign object on the ground. But a lot of this comes down to like relationship building. It comes down to your training routine, your training regimen, and and how often have you been annoying to your dog for them to try to guard it. So, and then there's a few ways that we can kind of mitigate this. So when I feed my dogs, I make sure that they don't resource guard amongst each other. So I've got three dogs and what I actually do now, because I'm lazy and I come bother and I've got a plate full of, or, um, you know, obligations and responsibilities that I I used to feed both my dogs when I had two of them. I'd feed Ace and Spades, I'd put the bowls down and I'd stand there and I'd tell them to eat and they weren't allowed to touch each other's bowl when they finished their food, I took it, the food away. And then over the years, they learned not to touch each other's food. They ate from their bowl, they ate all their food, happy days. At the moment, now I've got three dogs and Ace has sadly left us a long time ago. So I've got spades, I've got nookie, I've got chili. I feed chili in the back section, I close the gate, I feed spades in the backyard and I feed nookie inside the laundry. There's doors and fences blocking each one of them to each other. When they all finish their food, I take it away. Now, if there's a little bit of food left in in spades' bowl and he's walked away, I admittingly, when I open the gate, I let chili go and eat the rest of it so I don't have to waste it. And it's usually, you know, a couple of kibbles or whatever. So... Important here that we realize that we don't set our dogs up for failure by teaching them that they have to fight over food. So that's number one. Now, when I feed my dogs their food, I put the food down and let them eat it. I don't like stand around. I may walk past and pat my dog as I'm walking past, but my dogs don't resource guard. Now, when I first had Chili, I didn't know anything about him. So I didn't want to set him up for any failure by teaching him that when you're eating, I'm going to mess with it. Now, if you've been, if you're an avid listener, you understand that with the first couple of months of owning Chili, all of Chili's food came from my pouch, and I made him work for that food. So the relationship with food was: this is a currency that I own, and I give you access to it, but you've got to do things for me. And that relationship showed him that I own the food and that I give him access to it. And I think that could be a really good thing that you can start doing with puppies. Instead of teaching them that they own the food, you teach them that you share the food with them. So if you're going to feed them from the bowl, you just let the puppy eat the food. That's my advice. You don't have to like mess with them. Alternatively, if you wanted to do something, something to make sure that the presence of you approaching the food is like you coming towards the food is not a bad thing, I would normally suggest, and I'm not saying, again, I have to say this, I probably should have said this at the beginning of the podcast, is that I am not going to give you a remedy to this because I think if your dog is resource guarding and you're trying to get advice from here and trying to work on it, make sure that you understand that I'm not telling you how to fix it. 
I'm just talking about it. It's number one. If you need to fix it, I would suggest hiring a professional dog trainer who's had some good experience, who's coming into your house and, and seeing you and your dog and giving you advice specifically to you and your dog. I don't want you guys to be messing around and getting bitten from your dog because it could be very, um, and I'm not going to give too many remedies here only because I'm, especially when it comes to aggression, when it comes to such a wide, um, you know, reach of the podcast and people all around the world are listening, I don't want to be giving the wrong advice and that you get nailed by your dog because you tried doing something. But one thing you can do, especially from a young puppy, especially if you haven't seen any resource guarding, is while the dog's eating their kibble from the bowl, as you approach, chuck a bit of high-value chicken or something that your dog really, really likes, one, two, three, just drop it into the bowl, walk away. As you approach the dog, the bowl, Chuck some food in the bowl, walk away. And that way, they're just the presence of you. The dog's like, oh my God, I'm going to leave this food. And what have you got? Another thing you can do is while your dog's eating the kibble, for example, and you call your dog, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, come over to me. And he comes over to you, you give him some chicken, and then he goes back to his bowl. Then you're teaching him, I'm not trying to take your food away. If anything, me coming close to you means I'm going to add something to your situation. Um, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it, only because I don't want to... Um, go down that route, as I just said, of giving you some advice. If your dog is resource guarding already, then listen to the rest of this, but don't do anything from my, my advice except for don't get yourself bitten and don't give your dog a reason to have to fight you for the food because, or for, for any resource for that matter, because it can be very dangerous, as I said. And when a dog's committed, he's committed and they usually bite very hard when it comes to aggression, especially if you try to punish the behavior, you're just going to you're going to ruin the situation altogether. Um, now, when it comes to other dogs, you, it's just simple. You just don't feed them around each other. If you're going to feed them, you feed them from doing some obedience training. Tell your dogs to go to their beds and you feed them individually from your hand. You reward them for the behavior. You're not leaving food on the on the ground. So a lot of people, and I saw clients just the other day, where they have one big bowl of food and three dogs eat from the bowl. That is a recipe for resource guarding. When one dog's hungrier than the other, they'll fight the other dog for the food. And another problem with that is not only does your dog have, you know, bite wounds, but also you don't know who's eating what, how much nutrition is each dog getting. Is the younger dog out competing the older dog because the older dog takes longer to eat? Now, the older dog's not getting enough food. Um, you're, you're creating such a messy situation for yourself. So, if you have three dogs, for example, you feed them individually. If you want to stand there and teach them, hey, you eat over there, you eat over here and you eat over there, and you just don't let them go to each other. And then you kind of create a little bit of harmony so your dogs don't have to fight for each other. I really highly recommend that. When it comes to feeding bones, I do feed my dogs bones. The bones are my dog's dinner for the day or meal for the day. So the larger dogs are getting like brisket bones, turkey necks or chicken carcass. And little nookie, she gets like a chicken wing or two. So the bone is completely consumable. They completely eat all of it. There's nothing left over except for some remnants on the floor. And... The reason why I do that is, number one, it is nutritional for the dogs. Eating raw meaty bones with the fat content on it is good for their health. It's good for their oral health, good for their teeth. It kind of brushes their teeth as they eat their food, they eat the bone. And also, it's fully consumable, so there's no bones just laying around. You get those big marrow bones, for example, they're harboring a lot of bacteria and the the density of a very, very big marrow bone or some of those soup bones and, and, you know, like lamb shanks and things like that is that they're not very consumable, so the dog's tend to eat it and when they snap it, it's either they um, they try to swallow like the lamb shank, for example, they try to swallow it and it gets stuck in their esophagus or stuck somewhere in their, in their intestines and it's very bad. Also, those big marrow bones that happened to my dog Ace when I didn't know any better, 
is that he was chewing it for hours on end and he squared off his canines and you can see the, the nerve endings in his canine teeth. So that's obviously bad. Teeth don't grow back. So that was something that he lived with. It wasn't giving him any drama. He wasn't sore from eating anything and he did continue to eat like raw meaty bones that he could completely consume, but it wasn't, but I don't want these bones to be left around in terms of resource guarding. You don't want a bone that's a really high value, very valuable. And another dog walks past, like if you live in a multi-dog home and your dog then starts a fight for it. Or another thing is, you supervise this bone eating time, even if it is a fully consumable bone, like a brisket bone. But if you're giving it to them additional to their nutrition for the day, then they may be full, not want to eat it, save it for later. So they go and bury it somewhere. That could be bad. It harbors a lot of bacteria and gets gross. But also if your dog leans more towards resource guarding, you or a friend or a child could be walking past that dug up bone. Your dog's guarding it, don't know it because you can't see it. And then the dog bites somebody. And you're like, oh my God, the dog just bit out of nowhere. You dig up a little bit underneath the soil and you'll see that there's a bone under there and he's trying to keep it for himself. Obviously, resource guarding is a very natural behavior. If you just watch how wolves and wild dogs act when they take down you know, their prey, the bigger, stronger, more dominant animal will be will fight the other dogs for the most highest value parts of that animal usually the you know the intestines and the and you know the the heart and the liver and the lungs and all that sort of good stuff right so the more dominant stronger dogs are going to get the best nutrition and then the low ranking dogs eat at the end and they're just eating you know muscle meat and whatever else they could find so think about how you're managing your dogs. So when I'm feeding bone night, it's, um, I don't feed Nookie her bone inside the laundry. So I put the exercise pen from the shed down to the, to the fence. That's her section. And Chili's got the back section. Spade's got the bigger section. And that's where they eat their food. When everyone's finished, I open it all up. And with that, they all can sniff around and eat the remnants. No one's fighting over each other. But I, especially with Chili, you know, and you're having for a year, especially right at the beginning, I've never, ever gone and having to take a bone from him except for once when um, he was eating his bone and kind of got stuck somewhere underneath the fence because he was pushing it around. And as I went to approach him, I didn't want to go and just put my hand on the bone because I didn't want him to think that I was taking it from him. So I called him over. I told him to go to his bed. He went to his bed. I moved the bone. I unwedged it from the fence and I chucked it into the grass. And then I told him, okay, and you went to go get it. So that there's that relationship and that communication. So before I go into the other forms of resource guarding, the food is like something that's biological. They're going to resource guard food. And that's kind of like something that you should just, it's a given. For example, if you lived 50, 100 years ago and you said, yeah, I went up to the dog's food and I touched him and he bit me. They'd say, why would you touch the dog's food for? Where nowadays it's, oh my God, it's completely unacceptable. The dog should not do it. So I think there's a bit of a cultural thing that's happening where we think dogs are just teddy bears and they're just going to be placid all the time. But a real serious dog who really wants to eat their, their food, you don't mess with them. And I'm sure you don't go up to a bikey in the in the pub and touch his food because he's probably going to nail you too, right? So there's – and also if your dad or your mom or even your kid sister's eating food, you're not going to – like you shouldn't go and just touch their food and take it away from them and, and mess around with it. It's a, it's a very sacred time. So I think there has to be a bit of respect there. Of course, as I said, resource guarding is a real bad issue. And right here we're not going to be solving it, but we're going to be talking about it. Now – when I see resource guarding from like toys, the couch, and like certain people, that's usually a relationship breakdown. 
It's the breakdown of a relationship. Your dog doesn't respect you, doesn't understand that you are in control over the things inside the house. And that lack of solid relationship will can manifest into, into resource guarding. So when I see, for example, dogs on your bed or on the couch and it's like, all right, it's bedtime, you need to go outside and you got to wake the dog up and push them and they bite you. They're telling you, I, hey, I'm sleeping on this couch and you don't tell me to get off my couch. It's like, excuse me, you didn't even buy the couch. You didn't pay the rent around here. You don't hunt your own food. I provide it all for you. I am the master of this couch. Now, you waking your dog up and your dog has the audacity to bite you. Now, you could have also spooked them. They could be sore. They could be injured. There could be a couple of other issues of what resulted in the aggression. But in this case, it's, no, I'm sleeping and I'm comfortable and you don't touch me. Now, in the moment, let's just say, for example... Chili jumps onto my couch, which at my house, dogs aren't going on my bed. Dogs don't go onto the couch unless we invite them up. Dogs never go onto our bed because we don't want them on our bed. Sometimes they may jump on the couch if we invite them up, completely sweet. But if we tell them to get off, they get off straight away. But let's just say I'm sitting on the couch. I invite Chili up. He's sleeping. And I go, come on, buddy. Off you get. And he just looks at me like I'm not getting off. And I grab him by the collar and he, and he bites me, me personally. Even if he bit me, again, I'm not telling you that you should do this, but I'm just telling you what I would do. And what has happened before in certain situations in people's houses that if I've tried to get the dog off the couch and they've gone by me, I follow through and I get them off that couch regardless. I assert myself in that moment because that could be the birth of resource guarding. If your dog shows teeth and now look, of course, if you're not sure what to do and you haven't got the confidence that I do. And again, I wouldn't do this with all dogs because some dogs um, may be more serious than others and you can cause some very serious damage. So I'm very careful not to give the wrong advice here because- this is just general in nature, remember, is that, oh, the dog's being, being a little bit difficult to get off the couch. Two things you could do is get some food and be, come on, buddy, off you get. He gets off the bed um, or gets off the couch, for example. You feed him, come on, go, time to go outside, we'll get him outside. Another thing you do is get the leash, la- um, make a slip lead or even make a leash into a slip lead and get him over their head and you can like kind of lead them off. And then at least then you've got a little bit of extra n- um, non-fleshy contact to the dog where even if you went to bite the leash, You can kind of at least guide him off and be like, hey, buddy, I need you to get off my couch. It's my couch. Where a lot of the times dogs kind of front up. They show the teeth and they give a big display and we jump back. Oh, my gosh. And the dog's like, huh, interesting. Now I get to stay on the couch and you've run away from me. So then that behavior slowly, slowly starts to become more of a pronounced thing. So when I do see resource guarding for couches and for, you know, spaces in the house, It's usually not one day out of nowhere, which people do say the dog bit me because I try to get him off the couch. It's usually, yeah, well, six months ago, he started to like give me the big whale eye. So like, you know, there's more white in their eye than they're black. So he's doing the big side look, you know, the teeth started to go back and, you know, we had to kind of coax him off and it became a big process. Took us like 25 minutes to get the little cavoodle off the couch or it could be a bigger dog for them, for example, but it happens a lot with small dogs. You'd be surprised. And then slowly, slowly he started to growl and then slowly, slowly he started like air snapping. And then, yeah, last week he actually bit me. And that's when they call me, when the bite happens, not when the behavior is very, very young, very small, so to speak. So be mindful, have some Control in your house. Master your castle. This is your house. Have some rules, boundaries, structure. Have some respect. Have some relationship because the dog that guards the couch for the owner, for example, when I go there, I come off and then I go to get him off and he air bites and I just use my body to like push him off the couch. It's not that I'd never, ever let him get him on the couch again. I can invite him back up. Come on off. He'll try it again. He's like, oh, that didn't work. And eventually the dog will get off just on verbal command. And even if I just go to sit on the couch, he'll be like, okay, I'm going to get off now. 
and that's the same dog that would bite people, their owners, but it, but he doesn't do it to me. It's because he's learned that he can't do it for me or do it to me, for example. Now, if if this was the example of food, I wouldn't do the exact same situation. But, of course, back to food real quick because I forgot to mention this, is when it comes to your dog going to eat some food, we have to teach the leave it command. So, teaching the leave it command, very hard to explain here um, on the podcast. However, I would teach leave it means you're not allowed to touch the food. So, as soon as the go, dog goes to eat the food, I put a bit of pressure on the collar. I say, leave it. The dog looks at me. I mark and I reward. And I do this repeatedly over time where the dog starts to understand if I leave the food, I get some food from, from the owner, from the handler. And then over time, if the dog chooses to ignore the leave it command, he gets punished for not complying with the command. And then over time, we start to teach leave it means you leave it alone. And that's just end of story. And then you can utilize that. When it comes to if your dog is eating the bone and stuck under the fence and he's getting stuck and things like that, come on, leave it. He comes back over to you. And then again, you've got some communication. Dog's like, but the guy's not stealing food off me. The guy's going to give me food for, for doing things. And we've got a bit of a relationship rather than wrestling your dog and getting into a barbaric fight because you're trying to get the food off, off your dog because you don't want him to like hurt himself or whatever. Chili is like the best dog that I've taught to leave it. He saw some rotten meat in the park. I saw him eating rotten meat in the park and it was truly rotten. It was gross. And as I saw him just take a bite into it, I told him, leave it in a nice, firm, assertive voice. And you could see him like half throw it up like whack, and I gagged it out and then ran up towards me. So I thought that was very impressive, something that I should share. So there, instead of running up to him and trying to get the food out of his mouth, risking um, an aversive event and also for him to give him a reason to bite me, I have already taught him how to leave it from the beginning. And another quick story, I thought it was pretty funny. I was training dog, I was in a training session down um, in like in public area and a random lady came up to me. She had a flat, flattened rat in like the, the dash and had a flattened road killed mouth, um, rat in its mouth. And she come up to me, excuse me, excuse me, can you help me? I'm like, oh, what's going on? And she goes, the dog's got this dead rat that's like flattened, like car- looks like cardboard. She's, he's got this rat in its mouth and I can't get it every time I try to touch it he's trying to bite me and growl at me so um in that moment there I didn't know the dog I've got no relationship but she's got the leash on which is like half the half the answer all I did was apply pressure up to the sky and I just held it until the dog dropped it I removed him kicked the the dead roadkill down the drain and I'm like sit you're on your way so Sometimes it's as easy as that. Sometimes it may not be as easy as that. That's why, as I said, it's very hard for me to give you some some advice through this medium. But I want to kind of bring up a few. Now, the best case scenario here is that you're listening to this without having a dog that has resource guarding issues and you can prevent it. I think that's the most important thing about today's episode. If you need to fix it or at least manage it and mitigate it and deal with it, then having somebody – because when it comes to aggression, I'm very, very um, – hesitant to give really good advice uh, through this medium, especially without even a video content or anything to refer back to can be very difficult. So, um, so when I do see that dogs are resource guarding beds and couches and stuff, it's because the dog doesn't have respect for you in a way that you want him to respect you. And a lot of the times dogs don't show that to me when I've developed the relationship through the training routine. It's like, oh, the dog doesn't do it when you're here, but when you're not here, he does it. Because And it's not because he's scared of me. He understands that he may get corrected, but he also understands that. But there's better potentials that come from panels, not just about letting me live a free life to do whatever I please. And then when I start to show some biological instinctive behavior, 
everyone gets all upset and all up in arms going, oh my God, I can't believe the dog's doing that. So it's important here that creating rules, structure, boundary, and, you know, having a consistent sort of routine with your dog and, you know, training with your dog and, you know, everything that we've discussed throughout our podcast so far, you're doing this so that these issues don't arise later in life or later down in your relationship. Be clear about what you want from your dog. Give your dog that little bit of freedom in your house or a little bit of freedom out and about through, you know, good management, leash on, you know, this is where you stay in the house, etc. And then over time, it can open up the freedom, give them a bit more freedom over time. And that way there, that's when we can start to trust our dog's judgment, trust our dog's behavior, and also our dogs learn to trust and respect what we want from them. And when it comes to like resource guarding toys, I think that just means that the dog doesn't understand what a toy is. You know, the toy is it is the toy something that your dog gets a and it's kind of like bones. Is that is it something that they're playing with and it's a one player game, or is it a tug and a ball that it's a two player game that we need to teach your dog? You give me the ball and I'll throw it for you. You want to chase and bite it? I'll give you a chance to do it, but you got to play this game. So. If your dog doesn't know how to interact with like toys and socks and all these things, then it's as simple as don't leave them accessible to your dog unless you can create a system where he's in his yard in his kennel and that's his special little toy and we just don't really touch it. But they don't really like that. I would prefer that he doesn't get access to those things and slowly, slowly we start to show him this is how we interact together. But you're not, but if he's concerned about you grabbing the sock out of his mouth, it's probably because you've got a history of you wrestling the dog, chasing him around, freaking him out because you're trying to get the sock out, which then means you've had a lack of structure, lack of management inside of your house for that behavior to become a problem. Sometimes you see this from very young puppies, 12 weeks old, they're resource guarding, and that, that has to be a genetic behavior because it's something that they probably either learnt from in their young litter um, life when they're in the litter and one dog wasn't getting enough of something and they learned to do it, or it's just a genetically dis- pre- a predisposition to the behavior, which needs to be managed as well. That's everything that I want to discuss about resource guarding. In this context, we may be able to discuss it in more detail with more context and with maybe some, some video footage to kind of go off. But here, I just want you to understand that number one, you manage it. Number two, you want to make sure that you're not giving your dog a reason to resource guard. And remember, resources are yours and that you allow your dog to to experience. The dog dogs don't own anything. You own things and you give them to your dog. So make sure that your dog understands that. Don't give them ultimate freedom in your house, especially if you have a multi-dog house. You're not feeding dogs where dogs, um, not free feeding dogs that you don't um, know if they're going to resource guard. You've got to assess the dogs. Like, for example, this morning, I had to give Chili some antibiotics or something on his nose. Um and with the antibiotics, he needs to have some food. So I got my son to, after I gave him the pill, after I gave Chili, my dog, the pill, I get, let my young son throw the kibble onto the ground and I l- allowed the three dogs to scavenge the food off the floor. But I know that they're not going to fight over it. And I, I tightly managed that right at the beginning to make sure that it wasn't going to happen and also to show them that there isn't an issue and that I control this situation. And now I'm allowing my three-year-old son to throw food on the ground for all three dogs to eat the rations on the ground. I'm happy about that because I've already tightly assessed it prior. I didn't just have three dogs out of nowhere throw food on the ground. I never, ever do that because the likelihood of resource guarding is high and I know that it's just an expected behavior. So make sure that you're not ignorant and that you're not 
arrogant to the fact that this is what dogs do and but they shouldn't do it isn't good enough. You need to make sure that it's a natural behavior. You know what's going to happen. So make sure that it's more likely to happen first and it's not going to happen. That's it for another episode. Really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening this far in. Um, if there's any questions about resource guarding, please DM us through Instagram. Life with your dog podcast is probably the best way to contact us. And until next time, have a great day. Go out and train your dogs. And I'm going to go to another session and hopefully not deal with resource guarding because it's not my most favorite thing to work with because it is so dodgy and dangerous and also very hard to communicate this message through. But I know that the dog that I'm going to go see is happy-go-lucky dog working on some basic obedience. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a great day and we'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening guys, my name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna K9 Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.